Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be here with you today. You have a good morning so far? It's a nice, cool day, huh? (laughs) Don't get used to that one, man. It's going to be a scorcher this week from what I understand. Correct? Is that correct? It's going to be a hot week. and We're still going into September now, so we still have our hot months. But um, if it's your first time here, um, Jim Del Campo, it's good to have you here. I'm the senior pastor. And uh, uh, today we begin a new series uh, called The Arrival. Uh, It's in the book of Acts. We'll talk about that more in a second. And today I'm going to talk on a topic out of chapter 1 called uh, The Full Effect. And uh, to give you kind of a, an understanding of what I'm going to talk about today within the full effect, let me take you back to something that I really used to enjoy. I haven't done it. I thought about it. I haven't done it over 20 years. Um, but how many of you have ever gone parasailing? Raise your hand. Raise your, Paris, raise your So this is the parasailing crowd. Raise your hand. I got to see over here. Raise your hand. This is the parasailing crowd. You go, Brooke, you've gone. Wow, Okay. Alice, we know you crashed in the building, right? No, I'm just joking. Um, okay, uh, the first time I went parasailing was 1984. I remember I was two, but I wanted to give it a shot. So, no, it was 1984. I was in Mazatlan, Mexico. We were on vacation there for a week. Went to Puerto Vallarta, Mazatlan, and um, and so back then the way they did it was um, they would have you on the shoreline, and they'd put that harness on you, and then the, the parasail is behind you. They hold it up. The wind's hitting it, and they, they connect the rope to you. And the rope is there um, on the ground wound up, and then the other end of the rope goes out to the ocean, and it's strapped to a boat, okay? And they tell you, when we tell you to corale, which means run, <laughs> you corale, okay? You run. And so you're standing there, and that boat takes off, and you're watching that rope, and you're going, and finally they say, Corale! You know, I Corale, okay? I, I started running, and you run toward that water, and when your toes are about to hit the water, it lifts you up in the air, and you start zooming up in the air, and you're flying over the bay there in Mazatlan. It was amazing, my friends. I really, really enjoyed that. My wife did it right after me. She enjoyed it also. We had a great time. Now, with that said, I have gone a couple of other times, but not that way. I went in Lake Tahoe the other couple of times I've done it. Now, in Lake Tahoe, it's a whole, it was a whole different ball game because it's been about 20 years now, but you're flash forward 15 years. In Lake Tahoe, they take you, if you've ever done it, you go out on the boat and there's a platform on the back, they harness you in, they hook you up the rope, and then they li- as the boat's moving, they lift up the sail, and it goes into this kind of pulley system here, and at a certain time, they just hit the release or whatever it is, and the, you start, they let go of you, and you zoom back in the air, and you're flying backwards in the air like this, and that's when I knew I was Batman at that moment, okay? <laughs> but you're flying up in the air. It's one of the greatest experiences of life, and you go about 1,200 feet. It is awesome up there, my friends. Now... Let me tell you about the Lake Tahoe experience because this is what I want to bring it to. When we went there, there were three experiences you could have that day. 
Some of my family members and friends stayed on the shore at Ski Run Boulevard. How many know where Ski Run Boulevard is in Tahoe? They stayed right there on the shore. I really like Ski Run. Stayed on the shore. And they would look at us way out in the water, the boat's going. A couple others came in the boat, but they didn't fly. They spent, I think it was like $10 or $20. You could ride in the boat, but you're not going to fly up in the air. So you're just going to ride for $10, $20. Bucks. That wasn't going to happen for Jimmy, okay? Mind you, 20 years ago, I paid the $70 to fly up in the air. So you could either watch from the shore, or you could spend the $20, get in the boat, and drive around and watch people zoom out in the air, or you could spend the 70 and you could go for the full enchilada, you go the full effect, and it was amazing. Today, I want to take you, when I get to point two, I want to take you into the three experiences of the Holy Spirit. And my goal, simple. I want you, I want every New Beginnings person here, lobby, watching, at home, later on in the week you watch me, because I know you watch all week long, some of you watch at different times. I want everyone to walk in the full experience of the Holy Spirit and His power. Amen to that one? That's my goal today. Now, we're beginning a series in the book of Acts. And I've told you this is what we're going to do. Now we're going to teach through books. But there's a little uh, caveat. It's 28 chapters, so you go, that's a long book. Yeah, a guy like me would take 20 forever. It would be forever in that book. But I'm gonna, we're going to break it up into four sections. We'll go seven weeks. Then we'll do topical study for four weeks. Then we'll do seven weeks. Do a topical study and stuff. We're going to do it like that. So it breaks it up for all of us. And the topical studies will be topics that we really feel very strongly that the Spirit of God wants us to, to learn about. Now, it's not a verse-by-verse. Verse. Tuesday is the verse-by-verse verse where you can come to the live recording of that. Then it goes up to our uh, YouTube channel the next day, NBCC Norco YouTube. And then you can podcast it, all those things. We're in John right now, chapter 10, on Tuesday nights. That's the verse-by-verse. Verse. This will take the theme, uh, main theme out of each chapter. Now, <clears throat> the series is called The Arrival because we're going to look at the arrival of of the Holy Spirit. And the goal is to give you a good understanding of a book of the Bible. Now, about Acts, this book of Acts, it's called Acts or the Acts of the Apostles. It's written by Luke. Luke writes it, as we'll see in verse 1, to Theopolis. Theopolis, there's two words in there. Theos, God. Philos, or Philos. Philos, Phileo, we know Philadelphia, brotherly love. It's like a friend, brotherly love. So here is God, Theos, and friendship, you know, love. So it's a friend, it's a lover, friend of God, lover of God. That's this person he's writing to. Luke is, um, this book of Acts is, uh, it's, it's actually chapter two of Luke's writings. Luke writes one of the gospels, and he writes Acts. It's a two-volume set if you want to read it that way, and that's the best way to read those two together. Now, what's interesting about the book of Acts, these little side notes. How many like the little side notes when I give you little side notes? Anybody like that? I don't have to do it. Okay, you got it. Okay. Now, this guy, historian by the name of Sir William Ramsey, 
He did years, years of archaeological research, and he found that Luke, in this writing, this letter, this document of Acts, he references in it 32 countries, 54 cities, 9 islands, and he gets every one of them correct. It is absolutely correct in its geography. And he even gives us navigational details as they're navigating through the Mediterranean. So it's an incredible, it's an incredible New Testament document that he gives us. Now, if you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, because a Christian without a Bible, without a student, whether on your phone or in life, you know, you have to read your Bible. How else will you know about your Savior? How else will you wash your mind clean to think like God wants you to think? You have to be into this Bible. Acts chapter 1. Here we go. And uh, verses 1, 2, and 3 of the arrival. It says this. The first account I composed, Theopolis, about all that Jesus began, say began, began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. So he gives them orders. Verse 3. To these, the apostles, he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of 40 days speaking of things concerning the kingdom of God. Now, let me say a few things about these verses right here that I think are pertinent. Luke in verse 1 says, he makes a statement, he writes about what Jesus began to do and to teach. That's an important statement because as followers of Christ, if you name the name of Jesus, if he is your Lord and Savior, know that Jesus began the ministry on earth and you and I come along and when we're part of a local body invested using our gifts we also now jump into and we continue the work of the ministry that Jesus began any amens on that one? louder, amen? okay, that's what we're supposed to be doing right there Acts, this New Testament letter it begins the church age in chapter 2 next week, you'll see where the church age begins. And it covers the first 30 years of the church age. If you ever wonder if you're living your faith correctly, just go back to Acts. Go back and read this New Testament letter and look at it very clearly and you'll see whether you're living it right or not because it's going to give it to you straight there. Now, in verse 2, it says he commands his followers, I'm sorry, he gives orders, yeah, give orders in verse 2. But in verse 4, we're going to see that not only did he give orders, he commands them. He commands them a certain, about a certain thing to do. In verse 3, I love verse 3, it says he appears, Jesus appears to them over a 40-day period. Guys, he's in bodily form. He's in a resurrected body. He still has the scars here, but he's resurrected. It's a glorified body. He interacts with them over 40 days off and on. It says in Acts, and, you'll, and you see later on in the Gospels, Jesus even eats in the glorified body, which delights me 
Because when I get my glorified, resurrected body in eternity, I still get to eat whatever I want to eat. And man, I don't worry about cholesterol at that time anymore. Any amens on that one right now? Say it again, brother. Okay, amen. Okay, good. Yeah. Jesus, in his glorified body appearing to them, he shatters normal. Because normal says that dead bodies stay dead. But he shatters normal because he rises from the dead. And if you're here, and no offense to you, but I want you to think about this. You say, come on, you Christians, somebody rose from the dead. Give me a break on that. New Testament scholars, New Testament skeptic scholars, New Testament atheist scholars, all will say, Jesus did exist, Jesus was crucified, and historical evidence, he did rise from the dead. This, the, the atheists and skeptic scholars, they will say that they know that the disciples believed they saw Jesus. The New Testament evangelical scholars say that they did see Jesus, but the evidence is all there. It's all there that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, if you say, well, that's still impossible to me. Okay, let me give you the bigger miracle. This whole universe, secular science, has already proven that this universe started from nothing. Something began it from nothing. And for space-time, uh, space-time matter to start from nothing, you need a spaceless, timeless, immaterial, all-powerful, personal, because you've got to make the decision to create it, mind, and we call that God, because God created it. And it came from nothing. How do you get something from nothing? It's impossible unless God created it all. Amen? I think that's a bigger miracle than the resurrection, but our faith is built on the resurrection. Amen to that one, right? Now, he's appearing to them over 40 days, and he's got to do that because he's got to get Christianity off the ground, correct? But then there's something else that has to happen that really gets Christianity shaken and bacon from the get-go, man. And that's what we're going to look at today and specifically next week and other times in the book of Acts as we travel through it. Now, I only have two points, but they're good ones, okay? So here we go. Number one in your notes, I hope you're taking notes. Number one is the promise of the arrival of the Holy Spirit. Say it with me. The promise of the arrival of the Holy Spirit. Now, Watch this, verse 4 and 5. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus just said to the disciples, You're gonna, I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know how people do this, but I think it's just conditioning. When we see baptism in the Holy Spirit, we zoom in on the word baptism, and many people think, oh, you mean water. That's not what that says here. There's baptism in the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say water. No mention of water here. There's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus also makes a statement there in verse 4. He said, this promise of the Holy Spirit baptism, you heard me talk about this before. And the question is, when did he talk about the promise before? Remember, Luke is a companion to the gospel of Luke. Acts is a companion. And Luke says it in Luke 24, 49. Up on the wall, please. Yeah. And it says, 
behold, this is Jesus at the end of Luke. He's resurrected. Watch what Jesus says. And behold, I am sending forth the... Let's try that again. You guys, come on, help me out. I'm working up here, okay? I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. Notice Jesus. I am sending forth. Jesus is the baptizer in the Spirit of God. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Oh, so Jesus has said it before this moment in Acts. He says, there's a promise coming. That promise is a clothing in power of the Holy Spirit. You're to wait. You're to stay. You're not to move around until the arrival of the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me, let me kind of clear this up for you. Try to... The Holy Spirit has always been active in the world, has he not? Absolutely. So I'm not saying that. He's empowered certain people in the Old Testament at different times. Just a few, right? Comes upon Samson, remember that? Comes upon Samuel, he prophesied, remember that? But it's just here and there. It's not this empowering of everybody. It's just different. So, so let me use this illustration. When, um, <clears throat> when Jesus comes, here's the question. When Jesus comes to earth, visits his creation, and comes to Bethlehem, and takes a body, a human body, question, is that the first time Jesus ever came to earth? You scared? The answer is, no. No. Been here multiple times before. Are you kidding me? He's all through the Old Testament. When Jesus tells the Pharisees before Abraham was born, I am. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm the guy at the burning bush. That's a theophany. That's a the he's, he's appearing. He's coming. I shouldn't say that's not theophany, but he's appearing. Theophany would be when he appears to Joshua and he's got the sword. He's that flaming sword guy, Captain Lord of Hosts. He's appearing. He, so he will make these appearances. But when he comes and takes a physical body in Bethlehem, now he takes up permanent residence. Are you following me? Yes or no? Okay. The Holy Spirit, who's always been active, he would only visit, empower a person here or a person there. But when the church is born in Acts chapter 2, now the Holy Spirit comes and he's going to take up residence in all followers of Christ. Does that make sense? It's no difference than what Jesus did and the Holy Spirit. They're, they basically do the very same things, okay? But now, the arrival of the Spirit, baptism has come. I, you know what I think is so cool about this? For those of you like think about it a little more, Jesus, there's like, there's like these Old Testament um, festivals and feasts. Jesus was crucified, and he's crucified at Passover. That's an Old Testament feast. Jesus rises from the dead. That's first fruits. It's a feast. And then day of Pentecost, specific day, the birth of the church. We'll see that next week. That's another feast. Pentecost It's another feast. It's an agricultural feast. So it's not like God's going, well, I wonder what day I'm going to make this happen. No, it's specific. 
And if you look at the Old Testament feasts, they correspond to many things in our past and history and in our future. These things are telling you of what, uh, of what is and what is coming. It's an amazing thing to study. Now, so we know there's a promise of the arrival of the Holy Spirit. Now let's break it down, okay, into the full effect. Point two, walk in the full effect of the Holy Spirit. We're to walk in the full effect. Now before I read this, and before I take it through point two, let me just share it with something from my heart. Can I do that? Yes or no? Because I heard two of you say, yeah. Okay, stop now, okay. Um, I have been walking in the full effect of the Spirit of God, the baptism Spirit, for 42 years. I speak, I'm, it's just the Spirit. I pray in tongues every day. I speak in tongues every day. Do I look weird? Okay, don't answer that. <laughs> when I was a youth pastor, I led all my teenagers in the baptism of the Spirit speaking in tongues. Let them all. When I started the church 30 years ago, I got into the seeker-sensitive movement. Not a bad movement at all, but it veered me away from the power of the Spirit. And it left me away from it for too long, even though I was still exercising this in my own personal life. And I would lead people here and there in the power of the Spirit of God. But about nine months ago, 10 months ago, when I said I was going to shift over, I knew this book was the one. I just, the Spirit had always been gnawing at me and gnawing at me, Jim. You're walking in the full effect and you're not leading people in the full effect? And it always gnawed at me. I mean, and it got worse and worse. And so I said, okay, Spirit of God, this is what used to be, used to work through me so much this way, and I know you still will, but I'm, I'm not going to hold back anything anymore. I'm going to offer the full effect of the Spirit. If you don't want to, that's fine. That's fine. But you can't tell me that the church in America is powerful. It's not. It's very complacent. And maybe we're just too smart for God in the word. I don't know. But you go to third world countries where, where they're just ripping and running, man, and people are getting saved, you'll always find the full effect of the Spirit of God. You'll always find the baptism of the Spirit of God. That's what you're going to find because they're walking in the power of the Spirit of God. And so I'm not going to hold it back anymore. And then, and, and, and if you choose not to, that's fine. You can still come here. That, that doesn't bother me one bit. But for those who want to walk in the full effect, I'm here to lead you. And off and on, I'm going to lead you in it because I want you to experience everything that the Spirit of God... And, and guess what? Anything the Spirit of God has for you, you don't have to be afraid of it. Uh-uh. Never be afraid of it because the Spirit of God is a gentleman and He's loving and He's good. Does that make sense? Now... We're to walk in the full effect of the Holy Spirit. Now watch Acts 1, 6, 7, and 8. So when they had come together, they were asking, they got some questions now for Jesus, the disciples do, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? Now remember that statement, okay? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the epochs, epochs means seasons, which the Father has fixed by His own authority. But you will receive power. Say power. power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, say, come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. Say witnesses. witnesses. Both in Jerusalem. Now watch my hands if you would. In Jerusalem, 
all Judea, Samaria, to the remotest parts of the earth. You notice how it extends out? You notice the specifics of what he says. It keeps on expanding out. This is very important principle he's laying down right here. Or truth, I should say. Now, back up. Look at verse 6 again. The question was, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? Now, is that a limited question or limiting in its thinking? Say yes. Why? Because the disciples are saying, oh, is it at this time... You're going to make the nation of Israel this strong presence and military power and free them? That's what they're saying. It's very limiting. And Jesus is saying, ay, 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 ay. He's saying, well, no, this church is going to be birthed, and the church is people. It is not walls. Never think it's walls. It's not plaster. Jesus didn't say, I come to build my plaster. He didn't say that, okay? I come to build the church. It's people. Now, the church is going to be born in Acts chapter 2. That's next week. But think about it. They said, is that this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus says in verse 8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world. Do you see how he broke through their thinking? Their thinking's here, and he blasts out, and he said, oh no, you're way limited in your thinking. I'm not here just to reach Israel. That's the old news now. Now, question because now the church age were to reach the world. Question, will God, will the Holy Spirit use Israel once again in the future of planet Earth to reach the world? And the answer is yes. Once Christians, whenever this is, whether my lifetime or younger people your lifetime, and uh, when we're raptured off the planet, when this happens, now God has one more seven-year great tribulation period on Earth, and He will now use the Israelites they will be Messianic Jews, 144,000 of them. They will now be, start becoming saved. The 144,000 are not Jehovah's Witnesses. That is not true. Because the 144,000 Revelation are males, and they are virgins, and they are Jewish. And those are the three things about the 144,000. So, they're going to start getting saved, these Jews, and they're going to start traveling the earth, and they're going to reach people for Jesus Christ during the reign of the Antichrist on planet earth. Enough said about that. It's not an end time series. Bring it back in, okay? Now, now, watch the Holy Spirit experience. Three bullet points. I'll take you into the full effect, toward the whole full effect. The first bullet point, the Holy Spirit will be with you. Now, watch John 4, 17, 14, 17. We're going to read it here and then again after this. That is the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit, one of his titles is spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him, he's talking to the disciples, because he abides louder, what? With. With you. And will be in you. Hold it off right there. We'll get to in you in a second. He abides with you. Okay. He's talking to the disciples. Right now, the Holy Spirit abides with you. Not in you, but He's with you right now. This is what that means. Do you remember before... Okay. Before you were a Christian, did anybody remember somebody sharing Jesus with you? Raise your hand. If you, none of you remember that, okay? You should remember, okay. I can remember almost all the specifics that people told me during the time, and it was, it was just a nightmare. I didn't want to be a Christian, okay? I didn't want to be a Christian. I, I just couldn't take it. I couldn't. My, my, <laughs> my sister 
Mulder's sister started, she became a Christian. She's one of those crazy fanatic Christians, you know, which I want, I'd like to be like because they're bold, you know. And she was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Man, you watch, you talk about a dynamo. She didn't care. And so, and, and so she starts sharing Jesus with me. And, and, and I will call that, once somebody shares Jesus with you, now the Holy Spirit is on a ride along with you, okay? And you're not going to get rid of the Holy Spirit, because now he's riding along with you. And then my family would keep sharing Jesus with me. It got to the point, and some of you know these stories already, where I told my mother, I said, Mom, you better tell my sister to back off. Because I don't want to hear about Jesus anymore. It's going to get ugly if you don't tell her. Because I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear nothing about it. And then I would go places, and the Spirit of God would lead somebody to Come to me and talk to me about Jesus. I couldn't believe it. Wherever I went, I go, you got to be kidding me. It's like, because he's doing a ride along with me, right? He's with me wherever I go. It's like, oh my gosh. I told you the story where it was Easter Sunday morning because I'm a total heathen at the time. I don't go to church. You know, I grew up Catholic. I'm not going to church. I went to Newport Beach. There used to be a basketball court right there. Went to play basketball. An old guy, like 66 years old, walks on the... <laughs> <laughs> but at the time I thought what's this guy from the stone age you know he walks right in the middle of our game he stops the game he goes he starts talking to us about Jesus I'm thinking did my sister send this guy I mean wherever I go I could tell you more stories about that stuff and it's like I don't want to be a Christian and so the Holy Spirit was doing this ride along with me and then one time this is the story hopefully you guys always remember I was um, it was July 1979, I was 23 years old, and me and my buddy, we took off to go see the Grand Canyon. We drove at night, we got to Kingman, slept on the side of the road, because we're single, we're heathen, who cares? We wake up the next day, <coughs> we drive to the Grand Canyon, spend the day there, we drive home. Yeah, what a crazy world, huh? Now, we're driving home through Arizona, and we hit one of those monsoon storms. You ever been in one of those there? They're real fun. The windshield wipers are going as fast as they can go. It's dark, and you cannot even see the road. There's lightning. Every and stupid me. My sister had given me a cassette. Now, go to the library, young people, to find out what that is. <laughs> Pop it in the cassette player. And some of you might remember the same. It was an end-time teaching tape by Hal Lindsey. How many remember Hal Lindsey? Oh, yeah. And I've got this in there. I can't see the lightning everywhere. And I'm listening to the end of the world. <laughs> I, was, I was scared out of my mind. I thought I'm going to die. And I remember whispering. I didn't want him to hear. I said, God, if, if you get me through this, I'll follow you. I'll follow you. And that was July of 79. And on August 12, 1979, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. So, and now the guy that hated Christianity is a preacher. But you see, he went on a ride-along with me. They started sharing with me. That's why it's important to share your faith because you let the Holy Spirit do the work after that. He'll go on the ride-along with them. Now, he's... He's, he's with you. That's the first experience. But it moves 
under that. The second experience is this. The Holy Spirit will be what? In you. Oh, in you. Okay. Now, we're going to read the same verse now, John 14, 17. Now, watch this. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see Him or know Him, but you know Him because He abides with you and will be, not yet, look at the English grammar there, will be what? In you. Not right now, not in you, but He's going to be in you, okay? Now notice the progression right there within the statement of Jesus Christ, the eternal God, absolute truth, speaking right here. Ah, okay. Now, he's going to move from right along. He's going to go in, in, dwell in me when I confess him as Lord and Savior. Now, the question is, when did this happen? Because that's the crux question of right now. And that's going to help us, be the, help us with the springboard to the third bullet point. John 20, 21, 22. Now, stop, look up at me, everybody, before I read it. What Jesus is going to say right now, do you know what day he says this? This is the night of the morning that he rose from the dead. He rises from the dead early Sunday morning. And that night, he's going to appear to them. And he's going to do this. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. There's the commission again. When he had said this, he he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Mm. This is the moment they're born again. This is the moment they're saved. The night of the morning of the resurrection is when the disciples become what we call Christians. This is the moment right here. Now, there's still another experience because now they have the Holy Spirit but the Holy Spirit doesn't have them in full power. He has not unleashed himself on them. That's another experience. And let me stop and say this too that if you're born again you have the Spirit of God. Don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise. You have the Spirit of God. But there's still another experience of the Spirit of God that is so important that Jesus is laying it out. Not me. I'm not making up. I'm just reading it to you. And that's the third thing, the third experience. Now, the Holy Spirit will come upon you in power. Mm, now, that's Acts 1.8, huh? In power. Now, let me read Acts 1.8. Again, it says this. <coughs> but you will receive power. Say power. power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, say come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Say witnesses. Both in Jerusalem Judea, Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. Now let's go back to parasailing, okay? You can stand on the shoreline. Holy Spirit's with you. He's doing a ride along. You're just watching everything. You're not born again. Or you can get in the boat and you can cruise around and now you're saved. You're in Christianity. You're going to heaven. Everything's there. Or you can... Corale! Remember that one right there? You can fly. You can receive the empowering of the Spirit of God and you can start to rock this thing and start to fly, my friends. Now, here's what's amazing to me. Jesus says um, to the disciples, this is Jesus, I'm not making it up. He says, disciples, <clears throat> here's what I'm telling you, here's orders and then I'm, it's a command. You guys 
Do not go anywhere. Don't do anything. Don't go share. Don't leave. Don't nothing, nothing, nothing until you receive the power of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Don't do it. Now, guys, they've walked with Jesus three years, have they not? They have heard more than we read in the Gospels from Jesus. You know how I know that? In the end of John, he says, if they could write down everything Jesus ever did, every book and every library would not be able to hold everything that Jesus did. So they've got the greater seminary education than anyone. They're right there with them. But he says, not enough. It's not enough. There's something else. And if you don't have this, you're, you're going to be lacking something. Now, we, uh, we could go Thursday. Um, on Thursdays, typically, two of my granddaughters, Willa, who's three, and Scotty, who's like a year and uh, a year and seven months, they come to the office in the morning. And, you know, they'll come to me only if I have candy or something. That morning, I had a cinnamon roll. And Willa, the three-year-old, she likes donuts because she's part Del Campo. And she's oh, she wants it. And I go, okay, I'll give you some. I'll give you some. So I put it on a plate, paper plate. I take it to my office. There. I cut off a piece. This big, this wide. This big, this wide. This big, this wide. And I go, here you go, Willa. She's three. I go, here you go. And she goes, to the plate. Oh, no. Oh, no, Willa, the thing's bigger than your head, okay? No, Willa, no, 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 no. Well, what's my point? How many of us settle for this in the Spirit? When God wants to give you the whole cinnamon roll, there's a full effect. There's so much more. That's all I want for you. Okay, the big question, okay, Jim. What's the benefit of the baptism in power? Oh, I'm glad you asked. It's tied to the commission. Go into all the world. It allows us to be a greater witness. You will be my witness. You will live a greater witness for Jesus Christ. It gives you boldness. How do I know that? Next week, when you see Peter stand up on the day of Pentecost, who was the cowardly lion back in the Gospels around that campfire, he was terrified. Now he's bold as bold gets because he's baptized in the Holy Spirit and power in his life. See, we don't need weak Christianity. We need bold, loving, firm, ready to stand our ground and share our faith with people when the opportunities arise. Amen? It gives you... You're a greater witness, and there's greater boldness. Now, <clears throat> I can stay in the boat. I could be saved, parasailing. I can stay in the boat, be saved. Yeah, it's cool. I don't know any of that stuff. But then you're thinking like the disciples did in verse 6. Is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? Limited. Let's keep it right here. I just want to be a Christian. Let's not worry about the world or meet you them, because it's crazy out there, Jim. No, no. You gotta corale. You gotta get up in the air. And you gotta move in the power of the baptism of the Spirit of God. Okay. 
I'm a movie guy, right? I know it's shocking. One movie I really like a lot. I don't know if you've ever seen Good Will Hunting. How many have seen Good Will Hunting? Just, I need to know. Okay, good. The rest of you, I don't know what you're waiting for. I gave you like, I've given you 23 years, I think it is, 24 years. I'm going to ruin it for you now. Matt Damon plays Will Hunting. And Matt Damon is a genius in the movie. I mean, he's genius. But Matt Damon is from a broken home. You know, it's just tragic, you know, and, and, and that's why he goes nowhere in life. Can't hold relationships. He can't commit. He just stays in dead-end things. And, and it's like, but he's a genius. I mean, he's brilliant. You know, one of the things in ministry, too, you just, it's, it really hurts your heart when you see somebody so smart, so brilliant, and they've had so much baggage in their life that's never been dealt with, and they never become what they could have become. Isn't that the terrible thing? I think Satan laughs at that. I think he just wants to laugh because the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus came to give you life in that more abundantly. So Matt Damon gets in trouble. And uh, this one math teacher, he finds out, he sees this guy's brilliant. He finds out through this thing. I, I have no time to get into it. And he, he says, I'll take him under my wing. And he takes Will Hunting to a counselor because he's got to help this kid out because he just wants him for his math. And so he goes, and Will Hunting, Matt Damon, he's real smart. So he'll walk into a counselor's office, and he'll start just shooting the breeze, and he's looking through the office, and he's trying to pick up on any little thing that'll give him insight into the counselor. How many remember that, huh? Because he's going to use it against the counselor. And once he finds it, boy, he's going to expose it, and he gets the counselor riled up, and the counselor will throw him out, and, you know, because he's good at sabotaging relationships, so then Will Hunting leaves, mission accomplished. Until he runs into Sean who's Robin Williams. He walks into Robin Williams' office, and he's doing the same thing. He's looking around, and remember the picture on the wall? Remember that? How many remember that? There's a picture on the wall that Robin Williams, in the movie, has painted, because he lost his wife, and it's, and it's a picture of a guy in a little rowboat, in a storm, out on the water, and it's a very lonely picture. And Matt Damon sees it, and he's kind of picking up, and he asks questions about it, and then once... Robin Williams gives him a little insight into that. Here's Matt Damon's face, and Robin Williams is behind him. He goes like, he's got him now. And Matt Damon starts to poke and poke and poke and pick and pick, and Robin Williams gets so riled up, so angry, he grabs Matt Damon, and he says, if you ever disrespect my wife again, I'll end you. And he lets him go. And you think, okay, Robin Williams is done. But then Robin Williams decides, I'm not done with this guy. And he meets, and this is, it's brilliant. It's just brilliant what he does, this little move he does. He meets Matt Damon out in a park. Because in the park, there is nothing on the wall. There is no point of reference that Matt Damon can pick out to try to use against Sean. There's nothing. So he diffuses him. He, he, uh, he disarms him. And, 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 and Sean, Robert Williams, basically says this. He says, He says, yeah, you're smart. But I realize something about you. Everything you know, you read in a book. Just pictures on a page. You don't know what it smells like in the Sistine Chapel. You don't know what it's like to be at war and hold your friend in your arms as he passes away. You can't even keep a relationship going. 
He says, because you saw a picture on my wall, you think you know me? You know nothing. It's just what you read in a book. You have no experience. And Robin Williams lays out his experiences. And he's got him. He has Will Hunting. Because Will can't say a word because he read him like a book, man. Because all of Will Hunting's experiences, just read him in a book. There's no real life experience in his life. Nothing. You know that can happen in Christianity? This can just be somebody who read in a book. I'm gaining more knowledge. God wants us to experience it. He wants, to walk in the, wants us to walk in the fullness of it. Not something we read in a book or hear what somebody else experiences. We're called to be witnesses, to walk in the power in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the world. It's called for us to do. We're called to fly. We're called to fly. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I've got to walk in the experience for 42 years. I'm grateful. But I want that for everybody. I don't just want it for me. I want it for you. Now, would you stand up with me, please, everybody? And I don't want anybody walking around, moving away, saying, oh, I'm going to lunch now. Hold off. Because I have trip wires at every door. No. I want you to close your eyes for a second. God, I pray that Lord, there's nothing weird about the Spirit of God. As normal as normal gets. But the power of the Spirit of God. So many people never walk in it. Now, if you want to walk, if you want the third experience, the full effect of the Holy Spirit, it's so simple. It's so simple. But if you want that, right where you're standing, eyes closed, raise your hand up. Just raise your hand up. Be honest. Go on, raise them up. Everywhere. Come on, hold them up high. Don't be afraid. If those are your hands up, I want you to come around the altar. Say, oh, Jim. See, you need boldness, don't you? Come around the altar right now. Come on. I want to pray for you. I'm going to lead you. You raise your hand. The Holy Spirit saw it. Come around the altar. And move forward a little bit because it looks like I'm going to need more room. Those in the lobby, come up here too if you raise your hand up. Those watching at home, stand up at your house. Stand up at your house because I'm going to lead you in this too. Now, here's the first question. How did you receive Jesus Christ? And the answer is by faith. Therefore, how do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? By faith. Are you saved by what you feel? The answer is no. Because if you think you're saved by what you feel, when you don't feel it, then you're going to have a problem, right? You're not saved by what you feel. You're saved by what you believe. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, you receive by faith. You may feel nothing. I don't walk around going, oh, I feel him. You know, I, I don't do that. Maybe you will, but I sure don't. But it's by faith. By faith. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it will empower you. There are three baptisms in the New Testament, and people get them confused. 1 Corinthians 12 it says the Spirit of God baptizes us into the body of Christ. That's when you're saved. And then in Matthew 28, it says we're to go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. And that's where disciples, followers of Christ, we baptize other people in water. That's the second baptism. Another baptism. That's a water baptism. 
But then John the Baptist said of Jesus, he said, when Jesus comes, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. It's Jesus who baptizes you in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's him who does this. The Spirit doesn't. The Spirit is sent to empower you, but Jesus baptizes you in that power. So I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer, just like you were led in salvation. It's that simple. Now, I chose to do this in two parts. So next week, I'm going to talk about speaking in tongues, because that's Acts chapter 2. I've been speaking praying in tongues 42 years. It's not weird. Holy Spirit's not weird. And I, and I know some of you have seen weird before, as I have, and I'll say this this week, I'll say it again next week. I've seen weird marriages too, but it didn't stop me from getting married. Right? Okay, so quit using illogical logic not to walk in the Spirit's power. Okay. Now, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. You probably will feel nothing. It's what you're going to believe. And I got something to say after that to make sure you walk in this full power. Okay? So close your eyes, would you please? And repeat after me. Jesus, thank you for sending the Holy Spirit in power. Baptize me, clothe me in the power of a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I receive the power to be a greater witness and the boldness to live for you. Thank you. Thank you for the power of the Spirit in my life. I receive. Now lift up your hands to heaven. I receive. Lift them to heaven. Come on, guys. I receive. Say it. I receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Now let me pray. God, I pray. Lord, it was that simple. It's just that simple. Lord, by faith, they've received it. It's not crazy. It's not mystical. It's, not anything. it's just that simple. And I thank you, Lord, for this day that we're going to become a church that walks in the full power, the full impact, the full effect of the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, nobody felt weird, right? You didn't feel like rolling on the floor, right? You didn't feel like dancing with snakes, right? It's as normal as normal gets. Now, let me tell you what I do every day. Um, every day, get the image out of your mind after I say it. When I get in the shower every morning, Get the image out, because you instantly saw a real muscle guy, right? right? Okay. I always, before I step in the shower, every morning I say, I lift my hands up, I say, Jesus, forgive me my sins, and fill me with the power of the Spirit of God again. You say, you do it every day, why do you need to do it? I can prove it from Acts chapter 4 when we get there. They asked, they prayed for again, and they were filled again, and they'd already been filled on Acts chapter 2. So I ask every day, do it every day. Ask for the filling power of the Spirit of God. Do not back off. Do not pull your foot off the pedal every day. Every day. And you watch what the Spirit of God does. And pray every night for opportunities. Opportunities to share your faith. And for the boldness to walk through those opportunities and to share with somebody. It doesn't matter if you lead them to Christ. It doesn't matter if they get angry. It doesn't matter if they disagree. Because you're giving them the gospel. And now the Holy Spirit is doing a ride along with them. And you've done your job. And you've done your job. So you step out on the boldness of it. In the boldness of it. Next week, we're going to talk about speaking in tongues. Next week. So I'm going to dismiss you now. You need prayer. To my left or right, they'll pray for you. God bless you guys. We'll see ya. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco. Or 
email us at hello at nbcc.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.